Welcome to the Brain Food Podcast. This this week, I guess it depends on how these episodes go out, but it could be, you know, maybe you've just had a nice weekend or maybe you've had a busy day at work because uh, we do Mondays and Fridays these days. This is part two of our tangentially related Julius Caesar ones. And this one is much more related to Julius Caesar because last week we were just caught... <laughs> we did this whole episode. It was like Julius Caesar and the Caesarean section. And then it was like first five minutes... It's got nothing to do with Julius. I mean, it's, it's got a little bit to do with it, but it's, he, he wasn't born by a C-section. That was not a thing. And here's an interesting story like this. It's the arc of this, as you'll see when you see all the parts. It's the, it's the birth, the death, and kind of the parts that most people don't. I mean, obviously, a lot of people know a lot of stuff about Caesar. You learn about him in history and all this. But we're kind of looking at more of the stuff people hope, you know, might not know or have misconceptions about uh, in this story arc. So I thought... It's natural to start at the beginning when he's born. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that episode. Uh, go back and listen to it if you haven't already. If this is your first ever brain food, go back and listen to all of the episodes. Why not? I mean, there you go. They'll get progressively worse <laughs> as you get back to our first ones. And different. <laughs> if you're listening to this in the far future, the, and different, <laughs> and very different, because we had all sorts of different topics. And then uh, if you're listening to this in 2024, as you go forward, hopefully we get a whole lot better. But that's, uh, that's only something future Simon and David will know. So today it's all about Julius Caesar and his pirate adventure, which uh, I think we mentioned at the end of last week's episode, much more related to Julius Caesar, all sorts of fun stuff in this one. Do we have any, any updates from... I, I, I kind of thought like last week we, it seemed really nicely wrapped up and I didn't have like... Normally I take notes like uh, last week we had the... Or two weeks ago we had the one about World's Fairs and I wanted to... We, we, someone emailed us about World's Fairs. I don't think we have anything particularly updatable in this one do we no in that case anyway what i will do is mention that uh just thank you for all the people who've rated and reviewed the i always feel like such a podcaster when i say that don't forget to rate and review the podcast on itunes or wherever you get mm -hmm. your podcasts um but we really do appreciate people who are rating and reviewing the podcast on itunes and all of those other places let's just shout out a couple of people because i always like getting emails where people are like it was so cool like you hearing my mm -hmm. weird username like mm -hmm. elder cat who says, I like the long-form exploration of a topic and getting to hear the digressions that naturally occur. It's a great way to spend an hour or so. I like the or so there because sometimes it does go mm -hmm. quite longer than an hour. But uh, thank you, Elder Cat. Uh, thank you for your five-star review. Fat Tar, um, I'm just picking out the weird names today, aren't I? Uh, says, 10 out of 10, best podcast, five stars. I like that they have the 10 out of 10 because, you know, you could have like 9 out of 10 and mm -hmm. that would still, you know, round if you were up. doing full stars, you'd probably round it up to 5 stars. So uh, they've really clarified that. It would, the only thing that would be better is 100%. Or like 11, 11 out of 10. This always confused me as a kid. I, I, we've got to bring in our Star Trek reference for this episode. The shields are at 125%, Captain. I always would be like, <laughs> are they? Wouldn't that just be 100%? Like, shouldn't you rate them a bit better then? <laughs> yeah. But it was always like, we're rerousing life support to shields. And it's like, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> anyway, Fat Tar says, fascinating and informative five stars. This podcast keep me, it keeps me occupied for hours at a time. Keep up the amazing work. Well, we certainly will. And thank you, everyone who has left us. Someone else says 10 out of 10. Listen to this. Sorry, I just got to mention this one. Revan Vuren. Revan Vuren says 10 out of 10, five stars. This show has quickly become a weekly favorite. If you love the YouTube channel, you will love this show. So uh, thank you, Riven Vuren. We appreciate that. And then again, for the clarity, 10 out of 10. Any, any other reviews that stand out to you? Someone just gave us five out of five. Uh, the great Zhao or Zhao says, I listen on my daily commute. Love listening to you two, five stars, but five out of five. I guess they're all yeah. 
full marks. Nice. So, no, no lower than five stars recently. Is there one? Four stars. Well, that's still that's still really good. It's still good. I'll take four stars. Increase of my weekly Whistler dose. <laughs> IJ Scorpius M. I look forward to Brain Food every week. I like the decision to split it. Uh, I, although I listen to both halves, the guitar is good, but I kind of miss the whistle. Ah, well, uh, there you go. I could hear that blowing out my microphone. A little bit of uh, wind there, not got a proper windshield. But there you go. No more of that, though, because I think people really voted that we were... When we first did this show, we had the transition where there's now a guitar as a whistle. If you're new to this show, we've already got these tropes, which I realize people don't understand. Do we have to explain these every time? So, you know, they'll pick it up, pick it up over time. Do you want to get into... I'm excited just to get into yeah. this pirate adventure. Yeah, Do so you want to crack on? Uh, Caesar and his pirate adventure here. And uh, so I love any sort of pirate adventure. And I feel just combining that with Julius Caesar, who's also this great character. It's like perfect. And this is Sicilian pirates, not just like any pirates, Sicilian pirates, which, you know. Sicilian, like the, the islands off Italy with all the mafia, right? Yeah. And like never go up against a Sicilian when death is on the line. You know, I know you don't because you haven't actually seen the movie for some reason. The, uh, the, uh, the, are we talking about The Godfather again? No, The Princess Bride, which you should... I've never seen definitely. The Godfather either, so... Uh... I began wondering whether The Princess Bride, which came up on a previous thing, is an American thing. Because I'd never heard of yeah. it, let alone not seen it. So it's, I wonder if this is one of those... I mean, you, you know the memes. I, that is one of the memes, so maybe, maybe you've heard of that one. Uh, so you have the, you know, the Nigo Montoya meme, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar... I, do you, have you really never heard of the Nigo Montoya? No. No. And I mean, I don't live in a cave, so I don't know why this is like, this is... oh, there's metro.co.uk, which says 30 years on the Princess Bride is such a classic. 30 years since Montoya told the six-fingered man to prepare to die, the Princess Bride is one of the best fairy tale movies of all time, cheekily subverting the genre long before Shrek came along and did it. Maybe it was a big thing in the... I, this just wasn't... I just don't know how... Well, it wasn't like when it first came out, it wasn't a big thing in the US either. It was more like one of those things that over time, you know, has become super popular as people realized it was an amazing movie. Yeah. It, it just bad at the time. So, of course, if it wasn't big at the time, it's certainly not going to, you know, jump across the pond, I'm, I'm sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Great, great movie. And this is... It's as bringing it back. It's a... He, Julius Caesar does go against uh, pirates, Sicilians, when death is on the line. <laughs> So Caesar, going back to, he's 16 years old now, so uh, his his dad dies. He just like, I think it was even something like his dad was just like tying his, I mean, they didn't have like shoelaces, but he was putting on his shoe <laughs> at the time, I think, if I remember correctly. And he just like dropped over dead, like mysteriously, not really. I don't think uh, anyone knows quite uh, why he died. We can't blame them. It was a long time ago. There wasn't, as we discussed in the previous ex, uh, thing about Caesar sections, not a whole lot of medical science going down right there. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's dead and Caesar is 16 and he's now the head of his family. And this is a very prominent uh -huh. family. And like in Rome, like, you know, if you're head of a prominent family, this I mean, it was a cutthroat, literally a cutthroat uh, political system and stuff. And so if you, you, yes. know, you had to you had to, you know, do things well or you'd end up being killed uh, as, <laughs> as people try to get, you know, more power and stuff. So he's yeah. 16. He does that. And then at 17, talk about accomplishing things before uh, before people today. Like at 17, he becomes the high priestess or high priest, not high priestess, high priest. Probably of, not the high priestess. No, that would be even funnier. <laughs> a high priest of Jupiter. Uh, so he gets appointed this position. And this is this is fascinating because the high priest of Jupiter is not allowed to like, you know, go to war and stuff. So you think about how different Caesar's life might have been had he been able to keep this position. Uh, because what is, he, what is it? It's like an honorary thing. It's because his family were notable. Because he did something. 
this was actually a prominent position, like the high priest of like the greatest of the gods. Oh, it's uh, not so like he's... a title. It's like a... It's no, a... he was literally oh. the high priest of Jupiter. Uh, I mean, it is a title oh. um, and, and it's a position with, you know, perks and all that. But it's, but, attached, uh, to, to, it's attached to responsibilities and such. Though. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then along comes a guy called Lucius Cornelius Sulla Felix, which is um, people just know him today as Sulla. And he yeah. became the dictator of Rome, right? Yeah. And so turns out, for various political reasons, uh, Caesar now, he's dic- uh, Sulla's dictator. And he's like, all right, Caesar, you're probably going to die. So he's, we're probably going to just have you killed. So Caesar flees Rome, right? And he gets stripped of his, his position as high priest of Jupiter. And uh, this uh-huh. it, you know, ends up being a good thing for his life, uh, you know, as far as uh, history remembering him and all that. Uh, so he does this, he flees Rome, but ultimately because of his mother's family, who we mentioned in the last episode, is quite prominent in the connections. Uh, he ends up, Sula's, all right, fine. I'm not going to kill, C- I'm not going to kill Julius Caesar. He can, you can come back. But uh-huh. so Caesar, he, he comes back, um, but he's still, he comes back to Rome, but he's still a little bit like, I don't know, like you might change your mind and just have me killed. Yeah. So uh, seriously wary. Yeah. So he, he decides to join the military and he goes off campaigning a little bit. And this, I mean, he's like a teenager at this point, right? Still. But he does this for a little bit. And then he ends up, um, Sula ends up resigning as dictator, which was a kind of a crazy thing uh, at the time. And Caesar also would later mock him for this. Like, why would you resign as dictator? You were literally the ruler. You could just stay that for the rest of your life. And so, but Sula... Dude, you said at the time, resigning as dictator, even today, fairly unusual occurrence. It's like, mm, I didn't like all the unlimited power. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And riches. Yeah, yeah. In, the most, in the most powerful, you know, uh, whatever governing body Right, in, this in is not some like tin pot African dictatorship. This is the <laughs> yeah. Roman Empire. Yeah, exactly. And so he's like, all right, he resigns and then Sula dies a year later and Caesar then, all right, I don't need to be, I don't need to be away from Rome now. I can come back. So he resigns. Uh-huh. Uh, so he takes a leave from the military, returns to Rome, and then he just becomes a legal advocate and a public speaker. So this is, I mean, this is basically what legal advocates at the time where they were just really good speakers and they would persuade the, you know, the courts and the audience and everything that, that your person was correct. And so this is what he does. Um, and That's this cool. was interestingly, despite he had a famously high pitched voice. And so, and he was actually Did still- Did not know that. Yeah, because still considered a great public speaker despite this. And uh, yeah, so he does this. He's, he's quite young, kind of doing this. And this brings us to 75 BC. He's 25 years old now. And he's sailing the Aegean Sea. He's just a private citizen at this point. Uh, but, you know, still, um, you know, head of a prominent family, you know, doing, doing quite well for himself. And he is Sicilian pirate. He's already got a lot under his belt at this point. Like the, yeah. he was a legal advocate, public, uh, a public speaker of note. He was the high priestess. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the high <laughs> yeah, priest of Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. He's the high and, priest of Jupiter. Yeah. So he gets Sicilian pirates. They, they take him captive. Mm. And so this is, this is where it gets funny. So they, they, they take him captive and they say, all right, you, we want a ransom of 20 talents of silver, which for reference here is about 620 kilograms of silver or about $400,000 worth today by uh, silver prices right now. I was, so, I was That surprised me. I thought silver would be more expensive than that. Like, yeah, well, it's 620 kilograms is a lot of, a lot of metal. Well, it might've been, I mean, who knows what the, what the value of silver, silver was back then, you know, the silver prices today. No, I mean, even today's, I was like, that seems like, that seems cheap no. for silver, but then no, I realized and, there's a big I, difference between it. Yeah, unless I totally just did an order of magnitude wrong when I was doing the math, uh, which is always possible when there's a lot of zeros, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that is actually correct. One kilogram is about 500 bucks, so that is right. Gold must be a whole lot more expensive than silver then. The price of gold is 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Gold is a whole lot more expensive. Can you, do you, do you want to, like, I always think like gold, silver, bronze, they got to be fairly close to each other, right? <laughs> Apparently not. Gold is uh, $42,773. Yeah, I was going to say like a few thousand or something. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. It's a big difference. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, that's so, a yeah. random extra fact for today's episode. <laughs> yeah. And so who knows, who knows what the value Why of didn't they ask for gold? I'd get all the gold. I mean... Well, this, I mean, in the end, uh, I mean, who knows what the value of silver was at the time? It might have been closer. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't really know. Uh, and so, so you have this, they asked for 20 talents of silver and Caesar, and this is according to Plutarch, he says, no, you're not going to ask for 20, 20 uh, talents of silver. I, I'm, I am a very prestigious person here. You know, like, I want 50 talents of silver. That's what uh. you have to ask for for my ransom. So I, you have to oh, demand. He feels like offended by it. <laughs> yeah, he's like offended by the fact that they only ask for twenty. He's like, "Do you even know who I am?" Like, and he's I'm not more even... notable than this. Yeah, and like at the time, he really wasn't that notable. I mean, he was from a prominent family, and he was the high priest of Jupiter and all. But like at this point, he, I mean, he's not Julius Caesar as we think of him, right? Uh, but he's still, he's yeah. like, "No, you need to ask for fifty talents of silver because it's that you know more. That's a ransom more befitting me." Uh, and so wow. they say, they say, uh, "Okay." <laughs> we'll ask for 50. That sounds great to us. And so it, it takes, he, so he sends off his people and they do, it takes them 38 days to collect the silver and, and bring it back. And so during this time, he's, he's sitting there with the pirates, right? And they're just keeping him yeah. hostage, you know, but he's not like a normal hostage. He's like, he's going around basically acting like he's the leader of the hostages or the, of the pirates, just kind of going around and like, He's like when he takes a nap or when he's sleeping, like if he takes a nap in the day, he, according to Plutarch, he's, he demanded that they all be quiet so he can sleep and like <laughs> at night, the same thing. And so, and he's also, he's composing poetry and writing speeches and stuff. Cause this is of course what he was doing at the time was oratory yeah. stuff. And so, and then when he was done, he would then perform these poems and the speeches to sort of get the pirates reactions and get their feedback so he could tweak it. And, and so the just, pirates are just cool with this. Yeah. And eventually like they, they supposedly, according to Plutarch, they came to really like him. Like they, they, this is a great guy. Like he would play the games. He would do their various activities, you know, their training and like different stuff. And he was just like, this is he, like reverse Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. sort of uh, kind of treating him. He's, he's acting like he's their leader and they kind of treated him a little bit uh, like this <laughs> during his hostage thing. And so he's just uh, doing this stuff. But he did say, like, he's not happy that his life is being interrupted and he can't leave, right? So even though they're giving him free yeah. reign pretty much and stuff, he can't leave, you know? And so he's like, no. And so just so you guys know, as soon as, they, as, soon as I pay the ransom and leave, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back here and I'm going to capture you all and have you crucified. You like, you know this, right? Like, this is oh. a thing I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and they were uh, seemingly... They didn't take him seriously yeah. because not only when they're he like, did, oh, we're friends. You're cool. Yeah. You're like our leader. You're just like the yeah. best hostage we've ever had. Oh no, I'm going to come back and murder all of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he does get free, and even though he is just a private citizen at this point, he does have resources. He gathers a fleet. He comes back, and they really must not have taken him seriously because when he came back, they were still yeah. where he left them. Like they hadn't like moved on to they a different really island. This is like a mistake. I feel like that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he, he knows exactly their numbers, like their abilities. Like he's coming back and he, you know, he was in the military for a time before this. He, he knows this stuff. He comes back. He takes them all hostage, takes back his 50 talents of silvers and takes all their possessions to boot just to, so he's kind of profiting from the ordeal. And then he takes them to prison in uh, uh, Pergamon, I think it's called, uh, is pronounced, I should say. And then... Yeah, uh, no idea. So then he goes to the uh, proconsul of Asia and uh, Marcus Junius, and he says, all right, I want to have these pirates executed. 
And the proconsul is like, no, I think I'm just going to take them and sell them as slaves because then I can make a good profit off it. And so Caesar is not happy with this, but he's not really at this point in his career uh, in a position to argue with the proconsul of Asia. So mm. he, but instead, he just bypasses and completely goes back to Pergamon and goes and says, on my own authority, I want these these people crucified, these Sicilian pirates, and the the whoever was in charge there. I don't know if he paid him or paid him off or whatever, but he he ended up yes, he ended up crucifying. Although because Caesar, a nice guy apparently. Uh, he did yeah. uh, have their throats cut first so that they could die quickly instead of crucifixion. I mean, crucifixion was awful. Like it was, it was take days to die sometimes, super painful and awful. And so he did, he went ahead, they had their throats slit first and then he crucified them. Uh, but, you know, fellow followed through on his original promise to have them crucified. Just, well, that is so intense. He's not, I, I, I've now killed them all, but you know, I yeah. did say, uh, you, you you guys were kind of nice. You know, I had a good time with you for the month I was with you. So I'll go yeah. ahead and just have you, you, you can die quickly and then I'll crucify you. Yeah, but you, so. he's like, you know what happens when you kidnap Julius Caesar. It's yeah. not going to be a good time for you. We might be friends now, but I'm coming back to crucify you, yeah. even if it's just your bodies. Yeah. And so this, this again, really coming back solid. to that, never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line, proven false. Apparently, yeah, Julius Caesar, he gets away with it. Yeah. So... Shortly after this, he, he had, I don't remember, he was, he was, at the time he was, he was traveling somewhere and I can't remember where for, you know, to continue his little career and stuff. And, uh, but then he, it was around this time directly his, after. His little career. Yeah. Yeah. He I mean, he wasn't <laughs> really like. Understatement of the, uh, oh, you yeah, mean well, his, car, his like little career up to this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At this point. And so. Not like it, his it entire was, life's career. No, it was, he was still on sort of that sort of like history, history's not really going to remember me path at this point. And uh -huh. then it was around, it was shortly after this that he gets called back to serve in the military once again. And this is, yeah. of course, where his, his uh, the rest of his more, much more notable career uh, takes off uh, from here. So I feel that Julius Story's pirate adventure, perhaps, you know, short, but incredibly badass. Um, I think that was, uh, that's how I would describe that. Yeah, and, and also kind of, kind of looking at the different aspects of his personality of this person who's like, seemingly a nice guy the pirates really liked him he was a good leader you know but at the same time also incredibly ruthless literally cutthroat ruthless when he had to be like just just because they slighted him so it's sort of these different uh, aspects of that personality there which is i don't know kind of interesting to look at these historic figures that way because it was short should we do an encore i feel like if we had an audience and we were doing but encores really annoy me though by the way i i don't know if you go to I, i'm not a big live music fan actually but every time i go to a concert one thing that really annoys me is it's like the, the band will play their set and you know that they finish and then it's going to be like there's going to be an hour of extra music because it's like yeah come on out again come on out again they're like okay and then maybe they'll do it a second time and it's like or or we could just have like the set list we could do those songs and then we could know when it's going to end why must we do this elaborate charade of encore every time and it's just yeah and this is this is particularly the case in like symphony and stuff i i hate that and like they, they it's like there's this in this symphony now, like we, we talked about this in episode one where it's like all very formal, you know, exactly when to clap. And uh, and it wasn't always like this. Like it used to be like this is like rock stars, you know, like and stuff. And so we you cheer because it's good and not because you're obligated to at this point, you know, like you cheer when it's when it's appropriate yeah. based on like the music or the, uh, the solo and stuff. And you don't have these polite pauses to wait when it's exactly your turn to cheer and then exactly there. I, I think the old way was way better. Yeah. Uh, even, even in stuff like the symphonies and stuff, like it would have been way better just, you know. 
I also feel the uh, the coming out for clapping over and over again. Yeah. It's like, listen, I really enjoyed myself. I had a really good time. But it's not like I'm in a restaurant and it's like I tip 10% and then I tip 10% yeah. and then I tip 10%. It's like, no, no, no. I got all of my tipping out of my system. And like, yeah. Although I, I, I know you guys, people might think I'm cheap, but we tip, tip slightly lower in Europe. Typically 10% is fairly standard. I know I think that's cheap in the yeah. States, right? Yeah, yeah, 15, 20, but yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. And then it you is. got that. I'm always surprised when you get a bill in America and it's like, oh, well, that was the price of the meal. And then there's like 20% service and 10% tax or something. And it's yeah. just like, what is all this stuff? Like, why is that, why is that not wrapped into the price of the damn meal? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. If they were just, if they were just, because of the system being the way it was, the way it is, if they would just pay the servers and stuff the appropriate amount, we could just bypass this whole system and it would just be way nicer. Yeah, yeah, yes, we could. There's, there's, that's just this. Uh, but let's just, for another let's day. just stop this charade, this, this yeah. nonsense charade. Speaking of nonsense charades, I guess we're having a, an encore today because I think we should talk about crossing the Rubicon in today's episode. What do you think? Yeah, so we're going to fast forward uh, to the point. So he's, you know, been in the military, done a lot of different stuff, a uh, prominent politician in Rome for a while. And then so now we're fast forwarding to 49 BC, a much older, wiser Julius Caesar. But the problem is at this point, so he's it's January 10th, 49 BC, and he is mm-hmm. going trying to decide, should I cross the Rubicon? And the significance here for people who don't know is that was the border where if he crosses it with his soldiers, uh, he is officially uh, either going to take over Rome or he's going to be executed because you can't as a, as a governor of a Roman province, uh, um, pro magistrates were not allowed to bring their army back to Italy. Like if you step within Italy with your army at your back, that's, that's just, you're, you're basically, you're going to conquer Rome or you're going to be executed. One of the other is going to happen. Uh, and so am I, am I imagining that con- like crossing the Rubicon is also, it's like a phrase or it's, it's been a movie or a, no, it's a, a TV shoe where, yeah, it's absolutely a phrase where it's like, where you, okay, you've cool. reached the point of no return, like as soon as you yes. cross it. And so, uh, so yeah, he's, he's trying to decide he's, uh, sitting there. Um, so, uh, so I think is how you pronounce that. Yeah. A historian. He basically said Caesar wasn't sure at this Where point. Where are we looking? I think it's, isn't it? I think it's Suetonius. Suetonius? Sure. Yeah, they're probably. I really don't know. So yeah, he's, he's Caesar, he, he claims Caesar didn't know at this point whether he was going to, because the, the, the deal was, so here it is, uh, Caesar is called back to Rome and he's ordered his, his term as governor is up and they want him to come back and they want him to disband his army because you can't, you know, you can't come back to Rome with it. Mm-hmm. And so they say, Disband your army, you're no longer governor, so critically, you're no longer uh, a lot of these sort of, you know, laws that he was normally immune to as governor, like he's no longer, now he can be tried for them and stuff. And of course, being a politician at that time in Rome, he probably did a lot of things that could get him in trouble if he didn't it's have a that immunity sweet deal like you yeah. get into politics and you're just like now nah, you're above the law yeah. i feel like this is yeah it's not so, something that's really you know in, yeah. yeah and so it was like now you're no longer above the law and not only that a lot of your political enemies they're really prominent in rome like they are in high positions mm-hmm. right now and they would love to just see you dead and so he's like all right so i go back to rome i'm i might get executed i might not maybe i have enough political influence or you know money to bribe people or whatever to make this work, or I could go back with my army and then I, that's a risk too, because I might lose and then I'm definitely getting executed. And so he had to weigh like, which, which is the greater risk here? And of course his own political ambitions, uh, he definitely, you know, had, had them. And so he, he ended yeah. up choosing, all right, I'm going to bring back my army, but not the whole army. 
uh, he ended up, uh, as we'll get into uh, later, um, when we talk more about uh, the the end of his life. Yeah, he 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 brings back only a portion of his army, but the people in Rome they thought he was bringing back his whole army, so they a lot of the prominent enemies of his fled because you know he had very experienced soldiers and all that. But the point being, this one is actually this section is more about his crossing of the Rubicon and where exactly was that? Because it turns out it has only been in the last few decades where we've actually known where the Rubicon was, like where where huh. he crossed, where that historic crossing was, and uh, yeah, so That's cool. Yeah, it was it was complete loss to history for a variety of reasons. One of which was when uh, Augustus merged um, Cisipine Gaul uh, into Italy proper, so then it no longer became the border river, um, and mm-hmm. then it just kind of faded in history a little bit. And then there was lots of flooding in the region around the 14th to 15th centuries, and then they built um, various ways to then direct the river to solve this flooding problem. And so just completely lost to history. Nobody knew. Yeah. I am wondering how on earth are they ever going to find this? Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was finally in 1933 was when someone actually proposed what ended up being the correct thing. But even then it wasn't uh, till 1991 that it actually, they, they finally determined where exactly this was. And it's, uh, it was in a town that is now called the, uh, the Vinano. I don't know. You, you go for this one. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, Savignano Sul Rubiconia. Yeah, and so it's, it's it's supposed to be Italian, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you might say Savignano Sul Rubiconia. Yeah, you might say from the How last that, yeah <laughs> the last part of that name that maybe they should have that should have been a, a tip off to you know that that's where the Rubicon oh, yeah. was. But it actually that town was called something different before 1991. Uh, it was at the end was uh, Romagna, uh, so instead ah, of Rubicon. Name. Wait, so why did they change the name of the town? Yeah, because that it was when they discovered that the Rubicon used to go uh, right next uh, to there. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so it was in 1991, some scholars, they, they were looking and they ended up uh, being able, they ended up triangulating the exact distance he traveled from Rome, from the Rubicon, and from that they had a kind of a perimeter of where it must have been. And then looking at various evidence, um, uh, you know, like riverbeds and things like this, they were able to finally deduce very accurately uh, where exactly it must have been. And uh, it's well, from from like war journals or something. The distance they they calculated or yeah, exactly. So all the different documents, records. Yeah, the river okay. in question is the uh, Fiumicino. Chino Fiumio Fiumo, uh, Fiumicino. What do you think? Fiumicino. Fiumicino. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. do, I'm doing that old trick the guy in the in the in the forums recommended yeah. of just trying to pronounce things in a, in a vaguely Italian accent. Yeah, so this is this this is uh, this river is actually about a mile away from where the uh, Rubicon used to flow before it was you know redirected and all that. And so this is it's by this town, and that is where the the historic crossing took place, which would be kind of I don't know interesting to go there sometime and do like a mini doc or something on it. We, we should and we should pronounce it correctly. I've got yeah. the uh, I've got the pronunciation. Do you want it? Do you want to know it? Yeah, sure. You can just you can just really badly dub it in later. Fiumicino. Oh. Fiumicino. I'm listening to a man in my headphones and it's a very Italian sounding man. Fiumicino. Fiumicino. There we go. Nice. Um yes, so that's the that's the pronunciation. <laughs> Alright, so that is the end of part two of that. That's the story. That's how they found it, just like that. They just uh yeah. I just did it and this some is... records, tracked it down. Is that what we're calling it a day on this episode? I think so. That's probably good. A little shorter than normal, but that's all right, because next week's is going to be way longer. Oh, we're doing the Ides of March. I don't know. It's, I, 
I, we got like half the document left, dude. I, I, I don't know if we're going to stretch this into even, even more, but uh, maybe the Eyes of March is a two-parter. Yeah, I look forward to that one. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, so uh, and, I say that about all of them, but these Caesar ones are great. Yeah, and so for people who think they know the story of Ides of March, not to be clickbaity, but you <laughs> don't know the real these. story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so you won't believe <laughs> the real story of the Eyes of March. <laughs> Yeah, so this is actually because most people, what most people know is the popular history, like the William Shakespeare, right, uh, Julius Caesar play. But this with this was like a uh, sort of like based on a true story thing of modern yeah. movies, like this is not quite actually what happened and how it went down and stuff. And so, yeah. And then uh, if we happen to get to it in the next week's episode, we do also have a bunch of really interesting related bonus facts as well. Love it. Well, tune in to our to our next episode to hear all about that. Uh, what else do I need to lead these outro with? Oh, yes. Uh, rate and review the podcast, uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just a reminder, we're giving away that $100 Amazon gift voucher when we get to 100 reviews. So that is always appreciated. Another thing I heard podcasters do. Hey, if you like our show, why not tell a friend? It's that kind of real world, real connection that you can go and make. It'd be like, hey, man, have you heard of that brain food show? Actually, it's pretty all right. And Go check it out. If you got friends that are listening as well, then you can discuss and uh, point out all the pronunciations we get wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you <laughs> if you want to do that, you can. Uh, always welcome. And we do have a forum, uh, forums.todayfoundout.com. If you want to discuss with, you know, internet people, they're real people too. Forums.todayfoundout.com. Drop us an email, podcasts.todayfoundout.com. And uh, I think that's it. We'll see you next week for the Ides of March. Thanks for listening. Savignano sul Rubicon. Yeah. How was that? But. <laughs>